Okay, so this is going to be we're, this is a panel where we're going to be talking about the sort of the representation of Jewish characters in comics, heroes, villains, people who are more ethically gray, somewhere in between, uh, and why they're often depicted the way that they are, and whether there are any, any exceptions to that. We're going to delve into you know characters who are kind of cliches and characters who are refreshingly not. But um, the question is about characters who are Jewish specifically, right? No, not. The mic. Not characters who are specifically Jewish. I think that's the... the, the yes, Jewish here, yes. Check characters who are specifically Jewish in comics. So what it is to be Jewish? You want to add the question? What are here tomorrow? What it is to be Jewish? <laughs> what it is to be Jewish. Oh, man. You want to be here tomorrow? Not a real topic. What? I don't, I don't, I don't understand the what question. Is what is it to be Jewish? Yeah. Oh, that's... Wow. You don't want to answer that question. <laughs> that's... Yeah. Uh, that is true. This is true. Including Robin. Third Robin. Tim Drake Robin? Tim, Tim Drake. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Don't, right, don't forget Vance Astrovic. Vance Astrovic, yes. Van, okay, I got you there. I would know that. You would not, well, you would. <laughs> <laughs> what is it to be Jewish? That's it. Boy. Um, who, next question. <laughs> well, I what mean, is it to be Jewish in a I comic? Think said all for, for the character who Themselves are Jewish or Yeah. Uh, Fabrice was saying the, 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 if the character either is identified as Jewish by the other characters, identifies him, him or herself as Jewish. That, yeah, I mean, but sometimes it's a little less than that, isn't it? So because there's certain, because comics is a visual medium, there are sometimes, there, there are sometimes like little visual signifiers. I think the first time that, that anyone saw Kitty Pride in a comic, I think you just knew because she had a Star of David around her neck, but she didn't, they never actually said the J word, but you didn't need to. Uh, but, you know. but then you do get to a character like Spider-Man, who has, who, I, you know, to my eternal regret, approved a Spider-Man story. I was the editor of Spider-Man for many years. I approved a story where Peter Parker went to church with Aunt May. And yet I, um, you know, I guess he could have just been Taken along with his with his aunt, th his aunt through marriage, you know. But but Peter, there's many ways in which Spider-Man seems like the most Jewish of characters in his behavior, his attitude, his uh, his concerns. Michael right. Chabon has 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 long held the the uh, opinion that Spider-Man is a crypto Jew. Which he'd really? Yeah. He'd say, yeah. He said that to Time Magazine around the time. Wait, so is crypto a what is crypto? And, and oddly enough, Crypto the Superdog is not a crypto Jew. He is a Methodist dog. <laughs> Irony, right? As, as opposed to Rex the Bathound, who has a secret identity. Anyway, um, he does. He wears a mask, so you don't know that he's Rex. He's Rex the Bathound. <laughs> yeah. That's, you got to love comics in the 50s. You just... just oh, no, no. If, if you just disguise the markings on his face with a hood... You know, like you do, putting a hood on a dog. <laughs> Why does a dog need a secret identity? Why? What's so no one will threaten his loved ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'd love to be in that story meeting. Greg, have you ever, ever uh, ridden uh, Rex in Superman Batman? No, no. I, uh, I, I, I did write Crypto. Uh, the, the question of his faith did not come up. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you my favorite Jewish character who I've written, although um, his creator has never read my story, so I, don't, I, I can't imagine he would like it. Dominic Fortune. Oh, really? Dominic Fortune is Jewish? Davy Fortune of. Yeah, 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 that's right. Dominic Fortune. Uh, Chaykin. Chaykin, Chaykin, yeah. Dominic Fortune, 
grew up on the Lower East Side, and um, yeah, there's, there's stories where he speaks Yiddish. So he was, my, uh, so the story, I, I've written a number of stories. I like, I like the fact, when he was introduced in the modern era, he, you know, um, he was a character created in the 70s, but set in the 30s. So he was introduced as, uh, by J.M. DeMattis and, um, and Kerry Gamble as, as like an, uh, in, in living in an old folks home with Aunt May. And then he you know, found his inner swashbuckler superhero. But I wrote a story, um, and if you read this, you're really a hardcore geek if you found this story, where Dominic Fortune was considered uh, when, when they were trying to figure out who to give the super soldier serum to, before they settled on Steve Rogers, they considered Dominic Fortune. And ultimately, aside from his uh, um, morally um, uh, malleable lifestyle, uh, ultimately, I'd pretty much say that they chose not to make him Captain America because he was Jewish. But that, then he ends up saving. Then he ends up saving Steve Rogers' life, so Steve can go on to be Captain America. So that, that, that's probably you know, my personally most, you know, overtly uh, Jewish story. And it was drawn by Ron Hartle, Gary Hartle, and it appeared in an issue of, like, Marvel Superheroes, one of those potpourri comics. But it's in, it's in the continuity. It's there. And as far as I know, no one has ever contradicted it. Oh, Interesting. <laughs> probably because nobody ever read it, but, they know, <laughs> but nobody's ever contradicted it. Well, first of all, I want to say, I think we're, just because this is being taped, just for the record, I think we're, confu we're, we're conflating Ace the Bat Hound and Rex the Wonder Dog, aren't we? <laughs> just to bring it back to the Super Dog, <laughs> just a callback. I'm not. I just have all this useless information that just shoves out the important information, which I think a lot of people in the audience can relate to, probably, I suspect. So I, th so I, think, but, the pr the, oh, I think the premise for the panel, the idea is, why are there no positive role model Jewish characters? There or are none. Yeah. There are none. And well, there are. Well, Dominic yeah. Fortune might, might yeah, fall. So I think there are quite a few. Yeah. Great. Well, there's... Um, well, uh, you know, I mean, there's Ben Grimm, Kitty Pride, who oh. are some of the most... Yeah, I mean, there you go, there you go. How about that? Um, you know, two of some of the most beloved characters. Iceman, that's right. Mm -hmm. Robbie Drake. Yeah. Great yeah. There we yeah. go. There we go. Um, uh, I mean, I wrote uh, the Magneto Testament book, which yes. was the origin story of Magneto. Now, that, yeah. now, in that book, do you establish that Magneto was Jewish? Or yes, you yes, do? we so definitively establish it. And in the movies, is he... It, the, yeah, he's Jewish in the movies. You see him as a little boy praying with his mother right. over a, with a menorah. It's it. kind of, yeah. you know... Yeah. I'm sorry, I um, Yeah, and uh, I mean, Magneto is sort of a special case because he's also, uh, I mean, he grows up to become a supervillain. Um, but in a, that... A, a, a mass uh, murdering genocidal supervillain. How about that? How about that? Um, <laughs> so, but, you know, for the, for the sake of that book, I, uh, I just thought of him as, I just he was just a hero. He was a kid who was trying to save, it's, it's an origin story of Magneto. It's, uh, and we did it as straight. Um, it's historical fiction. We, there's almost no, there's just the barest glimmer of a hint of uh, superpowers in there. We don't, uh, uh, we, we wanted to keep it as historically accurate as humanly, po as, we, as we could. Um, and it's a story of a kid trying to save his family from the, from the rise of the Nazis and the final solution in uh, Germany and Poland. Uh, so we do, you know, he's, we, we, uh, he's, he's a German Jewish kid. Uh, 
uh, named Max Eisenhart. That's his actual name, uh -huh. uh, and that's in canon now. So, good. That's, yeah. yeah, I love it. I love it when that stuff is in canon until somebody, you know, changes it. <laughs> but no, that's. But then that, they'll change it back. But that brings that brings up an interesting question, Greg, which is that, you know, he does as a character. Magneto, I think, gets some flack from being. You know, on one hand, uh, an openly Jewish character, really obviously Jewish character. On the other hand, like like you guys have said, you know, uh, mass murdering, uh, genocidal lunatic. I think that's a little harsh. First of all, <laughs> how many people and, do you have and, to kill to be a mass murderer? Mutant supremacist. What? Mutant supremacist. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, but uh, well, the very he's, least he's that, very he's in a lot that, of pain. There was that though. Russian I mean, submarine, right? Was what there, wasn't there? Wasn't there an entire submarine, Russian submarine that he? Uh, yeah. The, yeah, but I well, I mean, does it necessarily speak to the idea that, you know, I don't think anyone thinks that he's villain because he's Jewish or that this makes Jews look bad because you know what I mean? So, it would. What are your feelings on this? Well, I, think, I think anybody who would have had that feeling probably came into it having that feeling. You know, sure. I, I don't. I don't think it's. You know, people find confirmation for their own feel. You know, the, you walk away with different interpretations based on very often on the perceptions you come in with. You're saying that if people are going to think Jews are, you know, are devious in some way, they thought right. they thought so before reading right. the comic, yeah. which I would, which I would say is, I, I definitely agree with. What, what do you? What are your thoughts? Greg? Yeah. It. Um, it's interesting. I'm I'm uh, Korean American, and I've done a lot of uh, over the years. I've just done a lot of different characters of different backgrounds, and um, I've uh, done a lot of thinking about diversity in in storytelling. Um, and my answer to that those those kinds of questions is always more. You know what I mean? It's like it's no one character can sustain. Sure the pressure and ever should have to sustain the pressure of representing everybody in a community, that's, that's ludicrous. I mean, every community is incredibly diverse. You know, diversity within diversity is sort of where the really interesting stories happen, you know? Um, so, and, and my feeling is that you just need more and more characters so that no one character has to bear that burden. Um, I mean, I, I actually, I, I, I think about this a lot also in terms of Asian American characters, you know, that, that uh, there are a bunch of sort of very stereotypically Asian, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, supervillains in particular, you know, yeah. that, that are, that have, I mean, and most of those have been retired for the, you know, that people don't tend, or, or they're revamped in various ways. Um, but I think it's, you know, there's something, I think it's important to be able to, have both heroes and villains. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that's, oh, mm -hmm. you know, like like being able to explain, and also having heroes who are who have shades of gray. You know, what yeah, I mean, like yeah. that's the uh, a hero who is just. I mean, if you're if the motivation to write a character is to create a role model, then it's usually going to fail as a character. We're not going to care if it's not a character who is living and breathing and has flaws right, and, he's and struggles. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So. Um, you know, we're compelled by by the struggle, right, to do the right thing. But that uh, that having been said, there are certainly characters that that do function as role models. Just oh yeah, by, that's not their defining trait, obviously. But you know. oh yeah, yeah, no, no, no absolutely. Well, absolutely. Well, and, 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 and any you know, any quote unquote hero is a role model. Right, so exactly. that's their job. You know, um, I guess any villain is a role model too. But they're not. You know, they're supposed to be an anti-role model. Well, the weird thing about the the, the reason that that. Um, 
I think we're even talking about Magneto in particular and that he's so popular is because sometimes he's not a villain. And even yeah. when he is, mm -hmm. you identify with him in his struggle so much. And that's, that's the thing I said in tongue-in-cheek. I don't know if he's a, he's a mass murderer, but I, some of the things that he's done, some of the actions he's taken are very sympathetic and are very relatable. And then, and then sometimes they're not. But, you know, that's what makes him such a compelling character. And I think one of the best villains in all of Marvel Universe, you know. Yeah, I mean, he... Well, I mean, one of the things... I'm just thrilled that the character exists because we are able to do the story that we did with Magneto Testament. Yeah, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? That, that was Warren Simons was the editor, and it's, it was his dream project forever to do this origin story of Magneto that was going to... War, Warren Simons. Yeah, he's now uh, he's now the editor in chief at Valiant. Yeah, he's he's amazing, uh, and he was just tremendous to work with. But um, uh, you, you know, and, and so these characters, and, and also Chris Claremont was the one who who defined him as Jewish, you know, decades after he had been first created. Yeah. You know, um, and but Marvel would never come out and say he's Jewish. They saw we saw the concentration camp numbers on his arms. They danced around in every possible way, but they would never. I mean, that was a big consideration. Here's the thing, story. though, Danny. I just, I, yeah. I, I grew up thinking, assuming the character was Jewish because right. there were so many signifiers in the stories yeah. that but, said to me there's no way he's but not. We were, but and we were always careful, to, you know, and, and even years after I was no longer, you know, I, I mean, I was the assistant. I, I didn't do much on the X. I, I assisted on X-Men for a number of years. But that, I mean, that is the thing. It's not in the canon. No mm -hmm. one ever, until, I think pretty much until Greg's uh, storyline, that anybody... Because there's always, well, is he Roma? Is he, you know, communist? Sure. Is he some? They never, because they never wanted to say that the worst guy in the world was oh, right, Jewish. Right, right. You, know, right. you know, even though he's Magneto and he's really cool, you know. So um, that, that was a big step, you know. That, uh, but did I step on, on a point? No, no, no. Uh, well, just that. When I was growing up, and I, I remember very specifically but that both Magneto and Kitty Pryde, I was, I was really interested in the fact that both of them, to me anyway, and again, I didn't, I didn't realize that they never actually overtly said that he was Jewish, just because to me he couldn't have been anything well, else. he and Kitty Pryde went to the Holocaust Museum together. That's you exactly, know? yeah, I was going to, that's what I was, no, that's what I was going to bring up, because that, that's what I was going to bring up, because my, my mom is a, is a child of survivors, and she and some of her colleagues were using that, con that issue as a teaching tool yeah. when I was a little kid. And um, so, yeah, why else would he be at the Holocaust Center exactly? You could say well, maybe... They have a great snack bar. What? They have a great snack bar. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the catering is exquisite. Um, you should try the fish. But uh, it just seemed to me like really kind of obvious in a way that you never needed to say it. I didn't realize the behind-the-scenes story. Major, about, oh, major, yeah. major... Decision. It's you know, it's sort of like it's up there with killing Aunt May. You know, it's like there's always somebody who wants to do it, and there's always a reason. Although it killed Aunt May and brought her back to life any number of times. So, um, um, well, that's the beauty of comics. Yeah, you can always cancel everything, <laughs> but, but no, nobody asking. What strikes me is that if you take Kitty Pryde for example, she doesn't have to say that she's Jewish because. You know it when you look at the star of David. Right. Exactly. She well, identifies as Jewish. But she, not, but she was created to be a Jewish character. She was yeah, created she was. Like, yes, yeah. absolutely. But, but it's not overly played in the right. comics. Right. It's, it's really subtle, like, oh, if you know, you're going to know. But mm -hmm. if you don't, if you never saw a star of David of your life anywhere, right. uh, you can't possibly know. You can't. It's just a character. 
So if Magneto is Jewish, are the Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch still his children, or is that? Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're Jewish. Well, well, his because <laughs> in in the storyline um, he marries Magda, who is Rom, uh -huh. uh, right. Romani, right. um, and so uh, yeah, I, I don't think I haven't I, I don't I don't know if it, the actual, <laughs> the the chosen religion of their children has right. been uh, anywhere explored or, or described. Uh, Well, Legion, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. He's Jewish because the, his mother was. Right. No, my, my point was just that they were role models to me another, as a kid. Just because. Well, we'll see. Yeah, right. You know, there's a TV show that's about to air. Oh, you think they're, they're going to cancel uh, the Age of Apocalypse? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no, no, look, my, my point was just that it was, they were role models to me as a kid just because they were going through something that people in my family had gone through. And I think that's important. I think, I think inclusion and inclusiveness, is, and like you said, Greg, you know, diversity in general is so important because I think when you put that kind of specificity into those characters, I think it matters because there's people in the audience that identify with that, you know, in a huge way, whether it's like, you know, whether it's, it's gay characters you're talking about or Asian-American characters you're talking about or, or Jewish or African-American, you know, it just, I think it's important. You so know? why does it matter now more than 50 years ago? That's the question that everybody wants to know because a lot of the world has changed and everybody's tried to identify with the characters. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's it. I mean, I think the founders probably had an opinion on it, but self-censored themselves. They didn't want to talk about it. And so the mechanism, when, when, when did the switch happen? I think also the comic, they were trying to just sell. So they didn't want to say, he's Jewish, he's not. They were trying to sell a book to everybody. Yeah. So if I'm not, I might not buy a book where the character is Jewish. Somebody might not. Right, right. Well, it's also. Well, also you're talking about an America. I think you're you're talking about in the 1930s, right, when the industry was first founded. I mean, you're talking about an America that's so it's still unfortunately pre-segregated, but it was officially segregated at that time. Yeah. Started to change in the late 70s. Yeah. So there's a whole period of time where they have been probably playing with that idea, but well. I think some of it might have to do with right the superheroes when they first created came out of World War II and like the biggest menace was the Axis and the Nazis in particular and somehow that's a legacy that stayed with superhero comics forever I mean in some ways the superheroes I mean look at uh, look at the Marvel movies they're still fighting World War II yeah. and those issues of you know, racial purity and ethnic purity uh, survive. It's the purest evil for them. It's the purest evil. Um, for them to go up against. Yeah, but, but, uh, but the, the, so it's still there, and yet now we live in an era where characters in movies, TVs, everywhere else are more specifically defined. I think there's something about the ghost of the Holocaust and the ghost of World War II. Yeah. that spurs this or somehow informs it. You know, Is it something that you felt, Greg, while working on Magneto, the ghost of World War II? Well, I mean, the, the story is all about that, right? It's, uh, um, 
But I mean, it's, you know, about, it's about that because it was perceived there was an audience who wanted to know about that. I yeah, mean, well, you know, I mean, it's I mean, that that story, not specifically the Magneto story, but different Holocaust stories are eternally relevant. You know what I mean? Like that is, uh, those, sometimes people ask, oh, another Holocaust story? And it's like, yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. another Holocaust story. Um, I, you know, like, like um, those, those stories uh, should be told again and again uh, and, and for new audiences in different ways. I mean, that's why I was particularly uh, excited about the opportunity to do it in comics and in, as a Marvel comic. Um, just because you would have the chance to reach uh, folks who might otherwise never read, you know, that kind of story. Uh, I'd argue that it's a way of deepening almost any character, honestly, because he, and Danny, you and I were sort of talking about this earlier about Ben Grimm, but like, you know, the when when you establish as I think was it Frank Miller who established that that um, Daredevil, Daredevil. that Daredevil was Catholic. Irish Catholic. That adds a whole new layer I think we to that character. We always knew he was Irish. I mean, I think. But not. But the Catholic yeah, thing yeah, yeah, yeah. that that first of all presents you with new story opportunities, new supporting characters, like like the priest who is, who is his friend in those stories. And the mother. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it all of a sudden it like gives you all these story seeds that you didn't have earlier. What were you going to say? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm. That's. I think that's a great example. Like specificity in background for characters makes characters real. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It gives you. Uh, and, and in a in a kind of funny, I mean, Spike Lee talks about this that in a funny way, when when characters are very specific, they become more universal, right. Be, just because they're more real. You know, it's like I mean, I I made a movie a short. I went to film school. I went to NYU for film school, and I made a documentary called Fighting Grandpa about my Korean grandparents, and um, you know, and the the fun. These are you know, immigrant uh, grandparents. You know, my uh, you know uh, my my Korean grandparents were immigrants and. Um, and the question was whether they were ever in love. Right? Uh, and um, this, and, you know, we made, I, I made this a few years after my grandfather died and I just had a lot of questions about him. And I, I would show this at film festivals and folks would come up to me and Jewish folks would come up to me and say, that's my grandparents, you know, even though this is like so, uh, English people, you know, would, would come up to me and say the same thing. African-American people all, I remember a Jamaican woman t telling me that that's my grandparents. Um, that that but it but it's such a very specific story you know set in this one very specific korean american experience but because of that everybody gets it you know what i mean it's it's if if it was generic nobody would it, it would resonate the same way right so right. I, I think you know making these kinds of choices for characters and then being true to them and digging deep and and if you're writing outside of your own background doing the research so you you know so you know and what right, you're doing right, and, right. and going beyond stereotypes yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, because entertainment including comics has always dealt in extreme stereotypes yeah. you know of racial and ethnic although not religious uh, obviously they they always you know i think until recently stayed away from religious stereotypes but there would just be you know the yellow claw or um, well, some really horrible, egregious yeah. stereotypes. So, you know, and just you look at the history of American show business and vaudeville, and you know, I mean, the Marx Brothers, right? <laughs> Who I love, are, ba are basically you know the shifty Jew, the sneaky Italian, and the mentally challenged. You know, the, the Marx. <laughs> whatever mean, the Mar hell Harpo was. Whatever Harpo yeah. was. Well, he's, he's autistic. Well, who's really, Zeppo then? You know? Huh? Who's Zeppo? <laughs> Zeppo is, um, I think he's the the, uh, the Jewish lawyer. I think. Oh. <laughs> 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 
That's a good question, though. Who's, gum, who's Gummo? Get. Yeah, Gummo. <laughs> Gummo's not even there. Yeah. But I, mean, I, th I think that's right. So, that, so we've always been right. The jazz singer, somebody was somehow the jazz singer came up in one of the panels today. The original, the Jolson one. That again traffics in, 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 in all these uh, ethnic stereotypes. But they're very broadly played. There's no real subtlety. So I think maybe now we're able to give people subtlety. And and the superheroes are always tricky, right? Because they more than anybody had to be all American and all Gentile and all. Uh, straight and white, and you know, so that's interesting that those that those barriers have come down less for the superheroes. I think you know, I, I think Hollywood and TV was was like way ahead. I mean, it took I think so. And by the way, I think that it was. I think that the X Men movies established Magneto as Jewish in two thousand with the first X Men movie because don't they have yellow stars in that opening yeah, sequence? Yeah. And that that can only mean one thing, really. So it wasn't a fashion choice. It wasn't a fashion yeah. choice, oddly enough. Um, but you know, so I, I think that that they just made the decision. You know what I mean? Because different stars mean and different emblems meant different things in the camps. Because uh, it did. But, I mean, they did used to. I, I mean, I remember reading these. There were like endless internet arguments about is Magneto oh, sure. Jewish or not. I mean, there still are. <laughs> Even after. I believe so, right, Greg? Do you encounter any of this? No. Uh, well, not now. Not now. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't. I haven't gone there to check. But uh, yeah, right. But no. I mean. It, well. Yeah. It's in. It's. It's been established now. But um. Yeah. I wanted to ask a question to Greg uh, about his process writing this book. Uh, what's the, if any, the surprising thing that you discovered that you didn't know before, uh, writing that book and that made a difference in the way you saw it. Yeah. You saw Shoah. Right. Um, well, there are a million things, right? You know, I mean, I, gr I grew up in Dallas, Texas. Uh, and, um, but when I was a kid, we actually studied the Holocaust. And there was a survivor who came to sp speak to us who was amazing and made a huge impression on me as a kid. Um, I studied, for whatever reason, I studied German in high school and uh, learned more, you know, during the course of that. And uh, so I, I, came into the, I came into the story knowing I came into working on the story knowing maybe a little more than the average person, but there was so much, of course I learned so much in writing it. Um, uh, and um, I mean, just one of the things, uh, uh, I, I honestly, I didn't know about the Einsatzgruppen. You know what I mean? Like uh, when folks talk about the Holocaust, people think about the concentration camps, rightly, you know, but um, millions of people, both Jews and Poles, uh, and uh, other, and yeah, and were were killed by what were called the Einsatzgruppen, which were these special groups of soldiers that were sent to just massacre people, wipe out villages, you know, march people out of it, and and, and it's horrifying, you know. Uh, um, but uh, but I, I I didn't know about that history, you know. Um, so that was that was a a big thing that I learned, um, and actually that was uh, and you know Chris Claremont. Uh, set that up. I mean, he, uh, in, in the stories that uh, Chris Claremont had done before, he had done a short story where he showed uh, um, Magneto's family being killed. And it's the, the, he doesn't use the words, but it's clearly uh, an execution carried out by the Einsatzgruppen, you know what I mean? Um, so all of, I mean, Claremont had set up a lot of different things. Some of, you know, and some of the stuff in the, in the comic book history is contradictory, you know, like it doesn't quite 
you know, match, like the, the where people are doesn't quite make sense. So I had to make some choices there about what, you know, what to do. We always put actual history uh, ahead of comic book history for obvious reasons. Um, but, uh, um, but yeah, we, I mean, you know, our story starts with a German Jewish kid and his family. His father is a, uh, is a veteran of World War I, a proud German patriot. Uh, a Jewish veteran of World War I and there were a lot of folks like, you know, there were many oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jewish veterans of World War I who could not believe what, were, you know, what was happening. And they, you know? they were in denial. They were, this can't happen here. This yeah. is the land of Sigmund Freud and, you know, mm-hmm. and all these... Um, Germany, I mean, Italy too. Yeah. So that, you know, and, and you know, I also learned about, you know, I, I, I read a lot of uh, I read a lot of testimony and, and a lot of other, you know, a lot of I read a lot um, and watched a lot to and, and, and tried to also show a variety of different kinds of folks, you know, like uh, um, our, our, our hero's uncle is, uh, he's, he, he, he kind of figures out what's going on much earlier, you know what I mean? He's, he, he becomes uh, part of the resistance and, uh, you know, and he, or he's, he, uh, but, but, you know, so that there's a variety of different voices in there, you know, like that, that no people are a monolith and, and uh, so that was, that was important too. It, it, it's, maybe, you know, maybe between all of us we can figure out if, if my math is right or wrong, but it seems to me that most of the cases where characters are established as being Jewish, it's by non-Jewish writers. Is that, am I, you know, is that, except, I, I mean, don't know. Why do you say that? I'm just What's your, where's your proof? Uh, well, Doug mentioned Moon Knight, say. Um, oh, yeah, there's the Moon Knight story. Right. Uh, but uh, it's interesting. Fabian, when we were talking earlier, you and I, yeah. you said to me, I have doubts that uh, the thing is Jewish. I don't think that Ben Grimm is Jewish. I and, underst- I, I understand, and I remember yeah, yeah. that Dan Slott, yeah. who's a Jewish writer, yeah. established in the Thing series very early on and uh, played that card well, in, that is Jewish. I'm not but saying he's not. But it was established I, I, by Carl Kiesel earlier than that. I'm yeah, not, of course. No, no, obviously that, yes. in the canon he's Jewish. I just think it's a cr- thing that was crowbarred in. I never, it, didn't, it doesn't work for me. You know? I, I, get that, I get that in the comics he's Jewish. Yeah. You know? I thought Herbie used him as an avatar himself. Yeah, but... I think Kirby had his own ambivalence about being Jewish, though. He was very proudly Jewish, but um, I think there's a part of him that wanted to be a tough Irish Catholic kid. You know? But that's why, that's why I never... I Which is what I think Ben Grimm was supposed to be. Right, but you, you, and, I, you and I always... You know, yeah. We disagree on this, but... We've had fistfights about this. We do. Really sad, geeky <laughs> really fistfights. <laughs> and then we have to have a timeout after a couple of seconds because we're both very, very tired. Um, been up all night working. We're writers. Um, not good for fighting. Um, but, you know, we, we disagree on this, I know. But I, I always thought that when, when I found out he was Jewish, when they, they made the decision to, you know, give him a, a set religion um, and stories, I was, I personally was like, oh, well, of course he is, just because to me he seemed like a, you know, um, orange rock colored, rock covered version of Jack Kirby anyway. And I knew that Jack was, Jack Kirby was Jewish. And so to, to me, that made sense. It's a very nice homage to Jack. And, and you know, I think, I think the proof is there's that Hanukkah card that Jack, you know, that they, yeah, sure. they see on mine. Hanukkah card. Right, the famous Hanukkah card. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, look, as I said, it, it, it is, you know, that's how it is in, in, the, in, in the comics. And that's, but it just, it felt, 
it felt artificial to me. Yeah. Um, um, there's another character where there are question about uh, her Jewishness is Batwoman, most recent Batwoman. No, why are there questions? I thought it's established well, that it's, she it's, is Jewish. It's established, it's established that she's uh, Jewish and lesbian. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, uh, the way she behaves is, is she's Jewish in spirit more than anything else. And there were questions. Cheese, I mean, cheeseburgers, you mean? What? Cheese, cheeseburgers? Oh, I don't know that. Okay, go ahead. I don't know that, <laughs> but it's but she, she's a very interesting character because you add you have a layer that is the Jewish layer and you had another layer with the LGBT character that is very interesting and that sure. opens a lot of doors for many stories. Uh, but to a lot of people, it's just like you said, it felt like a little bit forced that w why you have this character and you put something else on top of it, and um, and even though you understand why the writers wanted to do that because they wanted a multi-layered character that mm -hmm. was very interesting on top of being a cool superhero. But it's um, like, why, did, why is it necessarily forced? There are a lot of Jews in the LGBTQ community. So absolutely, I, you're, you right, know. you're right. But, it, uh, I mean, the, the comic book fans have sometimes very strong reaction when something changes. Oh, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> I think you work in the comics industry for one second. <laughs> Kyle Baker warned me about that, and then about a year later, I started writing comics professionally, and I was doing do the Speed Racer miniseries, and I changed Speed Racer's backstory, and oh my god. I was like, no one cares. No one cares about Speed Racer. People care. People care about everything. And it doesn't matter if my backstory was better, which it was, but it, they, they like what they like. Oh my God. It's like you've just written the Newer Testament and replaced the New Testament with the Newer Testament. And like, you know what I mean? People treat it like, that would be, I, I would put a section on leprechauns. So first, first thing, there should be leprechauns in the Bible. Cthulhu, oh, that would be nice. Well, but Lovecraft was a racist. I have a problem with him. So anyway, but. Uh, and an anti-Semite. And an anti but he was married to a Jewish woman. Well. <laughs> they did not have a good marriage. How do we get into this? <laughs> <laughs> Batwoman. <laughs> um, um, uh, Greg, do you have, um, in your experience, when, you, when you've written characters that were like, like that, multi-layered and, and very different and uh, multi-identified, did you experience some kind of backlash from the fan community? No? Uh, I don't... Um I mean, I can't really think of any, I mean, you know, uh, folks will, yes, there are always going to be folks who are unhappy with whatever you're doing at any given time, but, you know, uh, that, that's, um, that's comics, you know. Folks, uh, I mean, a lot of the characters that I've, I've, I've worked on a lot of characters that I created, too, you know what I mean? And, and so when you create a character, that's, that's a little different from working with an established character. I actually haven't done so many, you know, what they call retcons. A retcon is, uh, you know, changing the continuity. You know what I'm saying? Like even with the Magneto story, we didn't change anything. We just, we just uh, affirmed the threads that were there that said that Magneto was Jewish. Sure. We didn't, we didn't change anything. We just said this is, these are correct. Although basically. what's what's funny um, about the, the fan outrage over things like that is that almost everything in comics, whether you know it or not, is a retcon. Just because these characters have been changed. You know, the, the, the Green Arrow that everyone knew from the, the late 60s through the, the late 2000s 
was not the original version of Green Arrow. You know, the one where he's a womanizer and a liberal and all these other things. You know, that was added by Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams. Right. So that, that, was a rec, that was a retcon of sorts just because they gave him a new personality. In well, they gave him a personality, period. Yes. Yeah, I wasn't going to, I was trying to be nice. Try to be nice. The characters didn't have personalities before. That. Yes, they, that they, is. That wasn't part of the... For the most part, obligated. yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, you're just trying to tell stories uh, about three-dimensional characters, as three-dimensional as you can make them. And, and uh, if, if they work, then folks get into it and they like it. I mean, I did Planet Hulk, which is a story where the Hulk gets exiled to an alien planet and he become, you know, he's, he's a slave and then he becomes a gladiator and a freedom fighter against the evil red king on this alien planet. And when that story started, people were like, what? That's so stupid. <laughs> you know? And then they were like, this is awesome. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, the, you know, the, and, and you can't predict and what's going like, to happen. Why don't you write stories like that anymore? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, <laughs> your older, funnier well, work. Right. <laughs> uh, I, have say, I have to say that Greg did a story called, um, uh, book called The Totally Awesome Hulk yes. uh -huh. for that reason. That's right, yeah. 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 He anticipated <laughs> the awesome part. <laughs> But, um, you know, I mean, and you can't, you know, as a creator, I, I can only speak from the point of view as a creator. As a creator, you're always trying just to, just to do a good story. And you can't predict whether or not it's going to, you know, you, you, can't, you can't predict or control how people receive it. You know, you, you just do your best. And sometimes you do your best work and nobody really notices, you know. Sometimes, sometimes something that you worked really hard on but maybe you don't feel is the best thing you ever created goes over really well, you know, and, and those aren't things you can always control. You can just all, you know, you just always try to do the best with each story and, and try to make each story and each character you write, you know, have all of the, you know, put all your love into it and, and, yeah. and make it resonate as much as you can. But, you know, I mean, that's all I can do as a creator. Yeah. Right. Well, someone will always say that, you know, something that you banged out overnight for, you know, for a deadline and a paycheck, someone will always say, that changed my life. And, and then the opposite go, is really? true also. Right, something you work really hard on, like nobody notices. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, you know, I never, I never badmouth anything I've ever worked on, um, partly because I'm too proud. Uh, but, no, no, but, uh, um, you know, and I have mixed feelings about some of the stuff I've done, but I never talk about the, you know, I never speak negatively about it. One, because everybody on that book worked incredibly hard. Right. You know, like, everybody works so hard. It's so hard. It's incredibly hard to make something that's bad. You know what I mean? It's just, I mean, the people have said this before about film. It's just as hard to make a terrible film as it is to make a really good and, film. And no one sets um, out, no one sets out to make a terrible exactly, film. Exactly, exactly. Everyone so. thinks they're making something good that people will yeah. actually see or else they wouldn't pour so much money yeah. into it. So that's one reason I never speak badly about stuff. But the second reason is because every time I do a con or an event, somebody comes up and, and says, oh my God, this, this story or this character or this thing meant so much to me. And... I'm not going to be the person who, you know, goes out there and says, this was a terrible story, and make people feel bad of what, about... No, of course not. Yeah. And, 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 and sometimes, I mean, actually, I think sometimes having a deadline or not, you know, sometimes the things that you rush out are actually more spontaneous and more, you know, can be more spontaneous and creative than something that you labor over and fix well, every comment. Also, I look back on the things that made a huge impression on me as a kid, and the things that meant a lot, and actually kind of created, you know, put certain really important ideas in my head about what is, you know, about how to be a good person and just how to live life and all these things. And some of that came from really corny material, you know what I mean? Or, or stuff that, you know, different stuff hits people at different times in their lives. Yeah. And, and it does, you know, like, whether or not it's great art, who knows, but it speaks to people at different times, you know? And I, I, and I think that's, uh, you know, wherever you get that kind of 
comfort and direction is fantastic. I've been known to ask myself, what would Peter Parker do? I mean, that's, yeah. that's embarrassing, oh, yes. but, you know, what would Peter Parker I, I do? I identify with that character to an absurd degree. <laughs> it is And, ridiculous. you know, we haven't even talked about Superman, who is often, you know, talked about as, like, the kind of prototypical Jewish character yeah, in I, comics, you know what I mean? Um, but Clark Kent, same thing. You no, know? What, what would Clark Kent do? Yeah, a couple things about that. Uh, when I was writing... Uh, from Crack Out of Krypton, right after the book came out, I, uh, I was offered the chance to pitch a bunch of holiday-themed stories to DC for the DC Holiday Special. This was years ago, in, in 2009. And um, some of them were, one of them was like uh, Christmas Carol featuring Two-Face. Didn't, didn't, <laughs> didn't get made, but, but great idea though, right? Um, another one was the Maccabees, except the Green Lantern Corps as the Maccabees. So it was like the Green Hammer Corps. For some reason, no. didn't make it in. Um, but one that did was... Uh, what, what were you I was going? saying you need to put in the Ben-Gurion uh, uh, Guardians. That's, that. Yeah, that, that probably would have actually worked its way in some way. But the one that did make it in, with, that they did buy, was, uh, was the Superman uh, story where Superman fights a snow golem. And um, the golem has accidentally been set to attack him by a little uh, a Jewish boy who's homesick. He never, doesn't get out very much because he's very ill. Uh, and he has this su the superpower to bring inanimate objects to life. So he creates, he's also a budding sculptor, so he builds this golem, and he accidentally is like joking around, and, oh, go get me Superman, and get Superman, and goes off to get <laughs> Superman. Um, and so it's like, you know, he's created, he's literally created a monster. Um, and the little boy is very obviously based on me at about 12 years old, to the point where his name is Yosef, which is my middle name, but which I hated as a child. Um, I just didn't, I, that didn't sound, Strong. Um, to me as a kid, that's my own issues. But, um, but I wrote it because of the fact that I had written in from Crack Out of Krypton, there's a chapter called Super Golem, which is about the question of whether Superman is a golem figure, and which a lot of pop culture historians advance that theory, and I, I guess maybe it's a good idea to explain what a golem is for those who don't know. Does anyone not know? I'm not talking about Gollum from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> talking about a golem, which you might know from v various video games or from, you know, ancient Jewish lore. I not think, ancient. I, I think they know. I think yeah, they I think they do. I just like to hear myself talk. But, um, but then, then there's another Superman story that, uh, that does anyone know the Miracle Monday Superman story? Because it almost never gets, I figured Sholly might know it, it almost never gets mentioned. And it's very, do you know this story? No, Danny? no. It was in, what, Superman 400, something like that? In the 80s, when, in the 80s, when all those like 40th anniversaries marks were being hit by Batman and Superman, they did like Superman number 400, and it was great. It was in it. Uh, they had Howard Chaikin did, a, did the cover, and they had Will Eisner and Jack Kirby did pinups. Mobius did a pinup. They had this story, and I think the whole thing was written by Elliot Magan. And he was a very underrated uh, comic book writer. And um, he did this one chapter where it's far in the future. And, they ha and, and far in the future, uh, a lot of families have a tradition that they know about this myth of this character called Superman who once existed. And they open the door on Miracle Monday and set a place for him at the dinner table. <laughs> and, even, and even the liturgy that they've created for Miracle Monday comes from the, comes from the Passover Haggadah. And it's so high, and it's one of those things that, like, I don't know if you would even get that about it if you weren't raised in a Jewish household. But it was like, to me, it's like, oh, my, are you kidding me? You know, because it's, like, so obvious. <laughs> but I just thought it was, it was kind of cool. You know, it's a, a weird little, like, in-jokey reference. Well, well, the Bible and Shakespeare are the best places to steal stories from. Oh, sure, they're, they're public, domain, public domain. You know, <laughs> Shakespeare's not going to sue you. His widow's not going to come after you. <laughs> not going to happen, so have at it. Yeah, but I just thought that was a really interesting story on that level. Yeah, yeah. That they, that they, you know, but Elliot Magan was the cousin of a kid I went to shul with. 
Oh. And that's how I got a tour of DC when I was 12 years old. No. <laughs> I was assuming Elliot was Jewish, but you don't assume that because yeah. you don't have to be Jewish to write a Jewish story. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and I know that's one of the questions you wanted to pose yes, right. as well. Absolutely. Do you want to go around um, the table? Yes. You don't have to be Jewish to tell a Jewish story or create a Jewish character. Joss Whedon isn't Jewish, and yet Willow on Buffy the Vampire Slayer is. Joss is. Whedon not Jewish? I thought Eddie Murphy was Jewish. <laughs> Eddie Murphy? You can be, you can be black That's and true. Jewish. That's true, yes, I know. My wife is black and Jewish. Um, Sammy Davis Jr. was black and Okay. Yeah. Rufus on Supernatural <laughs> is black and Jewish. Anyone watch Supernatural? Um, but you know, I don't think you have to. I think, as 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 Greg was saying earlier, as long as you do your due diligence and actually do the research and make it not only accurate but feel like you're you're like the writer's really living in the skin of the character and like it's. Well, that's the hard part. That's the that the hard part to. I mean, as writers, our job is to imagine ourselves as other people, mm -hmm. but we carry with us the whole baggage of the society that we're in, so we're always in danger if we write about somebody who's not us of really screwing up, you know? But I yeah. mean, I... Well, yes and no. I mean, um, Jules Verne's never went to the moon. True. Or, or 10,000 no, miles no, under the nobody, sea. But nobody could tell him he got going to the moon wrong. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Ah, you fucked up. But, I mean, I'll, but, I'll, but I'll tell you something about that. You know, it, uh, Greg, when you were talking about that, that short film that you made, um, and that, that so many other people who weren't Korean-American identified with it. I mean, there's just certain things about good drama that if it's done right, are you relatable to anyone? Because we all have kind of the same set of circumstances. And the other thing is like, I was talking to Al Jaffe about this a while back, that like so many of the, when he was a kid, so many of the parents that he knew, like so many adults that he knew, didn't seem to be necessarily in love with the person that they were married to. You know, and it just seemed like for that generation, it just seemed to be so common, you know, and I mean, for his own parents, it just seemed more like a matter of a marriage of convenience and a marriage of, you know what I mean, not really romantic yeah. aspect to it. Yeah, well, in that, it was also just about how different generations express love. Yes. Mm -hmm. You yes. know, I mean, that was the, you know, that there are these, you know, very subtle ways in which this older generation might express things. Yeah. That, uh, Oh, sure. Because my parents, they were comfortable living a certain way. They were never going to show a romantic or romantic part of us, but certainly, you know, they were privately, they must have, because they were fighting us. <laughs> <laughs> they must have. <laughs> um, I want to say something about um, the way characters as humans are universal. Uh, I'm doing right now this book called Intertwined, uh, where most all the characters are either Asians or uh, Asians, uh, black Asians. Um, I remember talking with a lot of Asian and Asian friends, and my, my co-creator is Asian. Uh, and while we were having those conversations together about how the story would go, uh, I was talking with a lot of Asian characters, and the first thing that they said to me were, was, thank you. Because there are some values that are universal, before anything, we're humans. Sure. And uh, I'm, I'm coming, I was not raised American, I'm French, so I was raised with a different uh, perspective on things. And you, in France, you, you see French before anything else. Mm -hmm. You don't consider uh, any other cultural 
or um, religion or, or ethnicity elements. You see French first. Uh, so a lot of people, and especially in my generation, uh, we were raised exactly the same, um, in the same way, uh, went to the same schools, and there was a lot of diversity. It was like uh, the melting pot was real. And um, that's why, uh, in my mind, when you write those characters and you do your research and you try to be as honest as you can with yeah. the characters yeah. that you write, you can't fail. I mean, um, there's, uh, there's, um, there are a lot of scenes where uh, you have to be careful about what you do. But in others, you can find, uh, you can put a lot of yourself, even though it's not really your culture, if you're doing it the right way. Well, every character you write uh, is partly you. What, what I've, what yes, I've uh, I have this character that hasn't appeared in a book, which I'm very attached to, because she's a Jewish-Asian character. And um, she, uh, she is a woman who has fled China uh, because she didn't want to be married, uh, to, to, to be in a forced marriage. And she poses as a man in America. It's a, like a gentle Asian Jewish style. Um, but she's very important. And the way she reacts, I'm not a woman. I'm not Asian. I'm just a Jewish writer. But a I'm also Jewish writer. A, a French Jewish, Jewish writer. writer, absolutely. But the way I see it, in, with the research that I did, um, on uh, the Asian uh, Jewish community, which was like, it wasn't never really big, but it was important at some point in history. Uh, uh, I feel that I can do justice to this character mm -hmm. because she's also an immigrant, she's also Jewish, and she's also uh, in, a, in, a, in a country that is not hers. So if you take out the bare language, I think we can all do the right job as writers if we do it carefully. Yeah, well, because I've noticed that when, when it comes off as inauthentic is when you're creating a character, you know, especially you, you notice this like a lot of white writers when they try to create minority characters and they don't give them like a full range of emotions or a full range of desires. Or, yeah. And it's like, no, we're all human. We all have the same or basic... Yeah, <laughs> or, you know, we don't give them a name, make them cannon fodder, make them disposable, you know, but, like, uh, but also don't assume that they have, like, a full range of, that they want the same things that we want, that they love yes. the same yeah. things. Yeah. I mean, for me, there are, I think, two things come to mind. One is uh, when characters are created to be symbols in other characters' stories, yes. that's yes. where the, mm -hmm. the danger comes, you yes. know what I mean? Like, uh, as opposed, like, I mean, the real... You know the real the real juice is always when you're you can when that character is the main character because sure. the, you know the main characters drive the story the main characters have that you know the full arc every supporting character also though should have you know every supporting character should think they're the hero of the book sure you know and right. and as a writer you should know what their story is too mm -hmm. you know what I mean like that's and and when you have a supporting cast where every supporting character feels like you know that that you could yeah you could you could you could you could kind of look at the book sideways and see a whole another story just yeah, starting yeah. that that's when it's like that's when you're that's when you're there you know what I mean that's when you really care about everybody um, so I mean that's you know that's that's I think that's that's something to to strive for um, another thing is that uh, um, it is when I think it's very important to learn about the stereotypes associated with whatever community you're writing, you know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. because there are, you know, there, there are things out there that, um, 
you know, if you, if you haven't done the research, if you don't know what those pitfalls are, you may fall into them, and that's sure. not good for anybody, you know. Um, and there are pernicious stereotypes associated with every imaginable group, you know what I mean? And um, I mean, it's, it, it also, that also presents its own interesting challenge, you know what I mean? Because I, you know, like I said, I'm Asian American, I grew up uh, <laughs> always being driven crazy by, uh, like, kung fu stereotypes, right? Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. like, and, and uh, at the same time, I freaking love <laughs> 90s Hong Kong kung fu movies, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. I love those. But I have avoided in my own work writing martial arts characters just sure. because time and time again, that's the only character we ever get to see with Asian Americans, you know what I mean? It's always like the kung fu dude. Kung fu dude is awesome, you know what I mean? But that's not... I don't want to see that again and again, you know, and so in my own work I've avoided that. Um, but that, that, you know, at a certain point I'm like, that would actually, I'd like to write the Kung Fu dude sometime, you know what I mean? And, and uh, but, but that's, yeah, but, that, but again, I think that, you know, that comes down to the more thing, you know what I mean? It's like, I, I have no regrets about avoiding that for, you know, most of my career up to this point because I think, uh, you know, writing other kinds of characters has, um, <clears throat> those were, those felt like characters I needed to get out there, you know what I mean, to kind of provide a broader, broader picture in my own little way, you know. Um, but, but in the fullness of time, all of that should belong to us, you know what I mean, and, and uh, you know, it, it, you know, being, I, 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 sorry, go on. And the tricky thing, of course, is balancing between the pernicious stereotype and then on the other end, the too good to be true exactly, yeah, sure. model, model citizen. Sure, the character is just like an angel. How do you portray somebody with flaws without saying yeah, yeah. that whole group? No, I, I struggled with that also with the Amadeus Cho character that I created, who's now the, the, the new Hulk. The new Hulk yeah. is Amadeus Cho. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, 10 years ago, or 11 years ago, we created this, I co-created this character with Takeshi Miyazawa, and he's a super genius kid who... Uh, who has, you know, like zero impulse control. So he gets in tons of trouble and makes trouble for everybody in the Marvel Universe. The Hulk is his, like, hero. He thinks the Hulk is awesome because they share this lack of uh, impulse control, basically. But, but that, that whole, like, uh, you know, the super genius aspect of it could be seen as feeding into the stereotype of Asian, you know, like the model minority stereotype of, of you know, Asian, good at math Asian people, right? Um, but, uh, I, I, you know, I, I found myself thinking it's like that's... Am I, so should I never write a smart Asian character? You know what I mean? Like, like I mean, they're, they're different. I, I don't know. I mean, it, these, are, these are tricky things to grapple with. I mean, my, in, in that particular case, my solution, you know, was, well, one, I was going to write a, a fun three-dimensional character who was going to be the hero of his own story and, um, and not be a stereotype. But also, secondly, it was going to undermine the, the other parts of that model minority <coughs> stereotype, which also has to do with, like, emotionless and obedience and, and a kind right, of like robot-like right. efficiency. You know, th those are all part of that pernicious stereotype. But, that I mean, if you, I mean, I would say that might, you writing that might be received differently than me writing that. Yeah, yeah, possibly, yeah, you know? uh, yeah, sure, sure. I mean, that's, yeah, and that's just kind even, of the reality. Even if right? the words were the same and yeah. you know, drawings were the same. Possibly, possibly. But also, we switch your names on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> So should we maybe see if there's any questions or yes? Um, first, I want to remind everyone that when Colossal Boy married the alien oh, yeah. Durla, his mother's worry was whether they would raise the kids' children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, that was Paul Levitz decided to give uh, Colossal Boy a Jewish backstory. That's part of it, but I think what he's talking about, I think, I think what this gentleman's talking about is seeing, seeing people practice their, I mean, I think part of the, you know, problem, quote unquote, is that Judaism does have, right, there's a strict religious definition of being Jewish, but in, in America especially, there are so many other definitions, and I, and I think, you know, I mean, Charlie, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think there are that many highly observant Jews creating comics, even among those who, who do, I mean, I think they're mostly Secular, secular Jews, ethnic Jews. <laughs> what? Most of them were here today. Right. Yeah, I think so. No, but I think I think Danny's got a point. Is like Judaism is a religion, but it's also a culture. You know, are you Jewish because your parents are Jewish, and because you eat matzo ball soup and black and white cookies, or because you are Shomer Shabbos, or both? You know what I mean? And so, or some somewhere in between. Yeah. I mean, as far as Ms. Marvel, is there controversy? Are there people who say it's a, you know, incorrect portrayal or an insulting portrayal? I think they're being very careful about that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and yes, and, and, I mean, your point 